On March 30, 1994, a crazy scene started unfolding in a motel room at the Days Inn in Corpus Christi, Texas. Selena Quintanilla Perez, the singer and international superstar, ran out of room 158 and started screaming as she crossed the small courtyard. She'd been shot. The bullet had entered her right shoulder and severed an artery. So as she ran toward the motel lobby, she was bleeding to death. By 11.49, when she crawled to the lobby door, she had lost a lot of blood. 23-year-old Selena was a superstar. She was on a trajectory to change the music industry. She was the first Tejano, which literally means Tex-Mex, artist to win a Grammy. She had a massive and super devoted fan base. She had sold out concerts at the Houston Astrodome. And on top of that, she was recording her first English language album, which had been a dream of hers since she was a little girl. She was nicknamed the Tejano Madonna. And she seemed larger than life. But what was so amazing about Selena was that even while she was getting internationally famous, she always stayed true to her roots. She was very close to her family and she never forgot her fan base. She was a great role model as well as being mega successful and super talented. But on that day, Selena was screaming for help. Witness accounts would slightly differ on what happened next after she got to the lobby, but everyone agreed that she collapsed and was bleeding out. The motel employees were freaking out and called the police. According to Ruben DeLeon, sales director at the Corpus Christi Days Inn, she said something that they all heard. She said, Yolanda Saldivar in room 158. I'm Katherine Townsend. This is Red Collar. Police rushed to the scene at the Days Inn Motel. The killing that had happened in room 158 turned out to not be a whodunit because as she was laying there dying, Selena gave everyone the name of the woman who shot her. The question was why? Yolanda Saldivar was Selena's biggest fan. Police were trying to figure out what happened inside that hotel room and why Yolanda had killed Selena. Yolanda left the room right after Selena ran out. Several employees of the motel saw her with a 38 caliber gun wrapped in a towel. Then she walked toward the lobby like she was following her. Then once employees shut the door, she turned around and went out to the parking lot. Yolanda locked herself inside her car and waited. Police were on the scene pretty much immediately. And after they got there and surrounded the car, a dramatic scene unfolded because she put the 38 caliber gun to her head and threatened to shoot. Larry Rucker Young, lead negotiator with the Corpus Christi Police Department back then, told the TV show A&E Real Crime, I was on the phone with her for seven and a half hours. Yolanda didn't ask for anything. What she wanted, really, was to hear what was going on with Selena, her condition. He added, she wanted someone to hear her story. She said they were best friends and that she loved Selena. She admired Selena and she would do anything for her. Meanwhile, Selena was raised to the hospital, Doctors managed to restart her heart, but she'd lost too much blood and was pronounced dead shortly afterwards. The bullet had gone in through the back of her shoulder and hit one of the major arteries leading to her heart. While she was running for her life, racing to that lobby fueled by adrenaline, 
Her heart was pumping and the blood was pouring uncontrollably out of her body. The hospital called Selena's father, Abraham, who was also her manager, and the rest of the family. They said that Selena had gotten into an accident. So when the family got to the hospital, they thought that maybe it had been something like a car wreck. Then the doctor broke the news that Selena had been shot. He said he had given her a blood transfusion. And at this point, Selena's dad said she shouldn't have a transfusion because of her religion. Her family were Jehovah's Witnesses. And although according to media reports, Selena wasn't officially a Jehovah's Witness herself, the family did follow those beliefs. But in the end, it wouldn't have mattered anyway. It was too late. The transfusions hadn't worked. Selena was dead. While Selena's family was rushing to be by her side at the hospital, Yolanda was still in that parking lot at the Days Inn, holding a gun to her head. Then a crazy scene broke out. News media showed up. They were reporting in simultaneous English and Spanish. There were hostage negotiators, police, and some law enforcement dressed in camouflage. The whole thing looked like a media circus combined with a military operation. This standoff went on for hours. At one point, according to news reports, the hostage negotiation team had almost coaxed Yolanda out of that car. But then someone turned the spotlight on so they could get a better look at the ground. She got spooked and got back inside the car. Finally, at around 9.30 p.m., law enforcement managed to coax her out of that car. It was all over the news. You could see Yolanda being led away underneath someone's jacket. Side note, she actually communicated with Larry, the hostage negotiator, and in what seemed to be kind of a window into Yolanda's obsessive personality, it seemed like she and Larry developed a relationship over those few hours. When she got out of the car, she screamed, where's Larry, in this really dramatic way. And where's Larry became kind of a meme. News stations broke the news that Selena was dead. Her fans, her family, the whole world was shocked. Selena was born on Easter, April 16, 1971, in a little town called Lake Jackson, Texas. Her dad, Abraham, was a shipping clerk. Her mother, Marcella, stayed at home to take care of the kids. But Abraham had always dreamed of musical stardom. He had had a band back in the day called Los Dinos. But eventually, he had a family and ended up taking a job at Dow Chemical. But as Selena grew up, it became obvious that this little girl had huge talent. So her dad resurrected the band, this time calling it Selena E. Los Dinos. Selena was the lead singer when she was just nine years old. And her dad became her manager and went all in. He started a band and the whole family was into it. He made the garage into a studio and put all of his kids in the van so they could tour. Even though Selena's first language was English, she learned the Spanish songs phonetically. They toured all around Texas and eventually the rest of the country in a van they named Big Bertha. Now, Selena's dad, like a lot of parents-slash-managers, could be demanding. In fact, one of Selena's teachers from middle school said that they were concerned about Selena when she was about 13. They said that they were concerned because she was a very promising student and she was out touring and singing in bars, so she was missing school. But when the teacher talked to Abraham, he got pretty angry. And before long, Selena was pulled out of school entirely. She finished her classwork remotely. By the 1980s, Tejano music was a huge deal. In 1987, Selena received the Tejano Music Award for Best Female Entertainer of the Year. She was getting more and more famous. Something else happened in the late 80s. 
A guy named Chris Perez joined their band as a lead guitarist in 1989. He said that from the beginning, he knew that Selena was beautiful and insanely talented. But he said he tried not to think of her in a romantic way because this was his livelihood. And also because her dad, Abraham, was very strict. But clearly it was puppy love, and then it grew into something more. One day at Pizza Hut, he said that he and Selena both confessed they had feelings for each other. Then they started dating, in secret at first, and then eventually out in the open. By 1991, they were a couple. They fell totally in love. They got married in spring 1992, and again, they kept it pretty much under wraps. She was only 20, he was 22. At first, when Abraham found out, he was enraged, and he threw Chris out of the group. But later, he seemed to get over it. He officially invited Chris to rejoin the band. And actually, Selena and Chris ended up moving into a house right next door to Selena's family. She signed with Capital EMI, and in 1993, she recorded her album, Selena Live. She sold more than two million copies, and it went double platinum. Her Selena Live album also won the Grammy for Best Mexican-American Album of the Year. And in 1994, her next album, Amor Prohibido, went gold. That was also the year that she broke out into Hollywood. She appeared in the film Don Juan de Marco. Selena was on her way to becoming a superstar. A journalist from Texas Monthly, who wrote a long piece about Selena's death, said that he'd interviewed her before. He wrote about how when he interviewed Selena, he was struck by how close she was and how her entire family was involved in everything she did. There was her mom, her dad, who was also her manager, her husband, the lead guitarist, her sister Suzette, the drummer, and her brother was her bass player. I had heard of Selena, and I'd seen the 1997 movie, which is excellent, by the way, with Jennifer Lopez as Selena. She was nominated for a Golden Globe for that movie, and I can totally see why. But I didn't know the whole story. I didn't know that much about her before I started researching this episode. The more I read about her, the more I like and admire her, and the more heartbreaking it seems that she was cut off in the prime of her life. All the way through, everyone said she was true to her Mexican-American heritage. She was a great role model to young women, and she loved fashion. Everyone who knew her said she was extremely interested in designing her own clothes. But she had so much going on by the 90s that she needed help with managing her fan base. And that's when she met Yolanda Saldivar. Yolanda Saldivar was born in Texas in 1960. She was 30 years old, around 11 years older than Selena, when she met her. Yolanda was also born in Texas. Her family was close, and she was one of eight siblings. Friends and family said that Yolanda had kind of a hard life. While she was going to school, she also took custody of her brother's three children. So it ended up taking her 10 years to get through her undergraduate degree. But she never gave up. She didn't seem to really have romantic relationships. She was just determined to get through school and take care of those kids. Eventually, she became a registered nurse. And by 1991, she was working as a nurse's aide at a hospital in San Antonio. 1991 was also the year that she had a major life-changing event because that's when she saw Selena in concert. She was blown away by that performance and immediately became fixated on Selena. She told reporters later that she got the idea for the fan club because after that concert, she started noticing there was no merchandise for her to buy. So she called Selena's father and manager, Abraham. She said she left him around 15 messages, 
Eventually, she talked him into letting her start a Selena fan club. Now, Abraham later told reporters that they didn't do a background check on Yolanda. And she seemed like she knew what she was doing, and so they just kind of let her run with the fan club idea. He also said that even when he realized that she was getting too fixated on his daughter and a little obsessive, as we see with so many red-collar cases, it just never occurred to him that she would do anything violent. The fan club had around 8,000 members, paying $22 each to get Selena merchandise. The proceeds of the fan club were supposed to be donated to charity. Through the fan club, Yolanda got close to Selena. And Selena was a little bit vulnerable in that way. She'd grown up with her band and her family. She had her husband. But other than that, she didn't have a huge network of close female friends. Because she'd been born around Easter time, Selena loved Easter eggs and anything associated with Easter. So Yolanda even gave Selena a Fabergé egg ring with tiny little diamonds in it that was reportedly worth around $3,000. Selena was touched by this gift, and she wore the ring a lot. Of course, she didn't realize that the ring was paid for using the Selena Incorporated credit card. So actually, Selena was buying her own ring, but she didn't know that at the time. The story of the ring would become the subject of a lot of rumors after Selena was murdered, because Yolanda claimed that she used the company credit card because the actual buyer was a third party and she was trying to keep some kind of a secret for Selena. There was never evidence of that, though. It just seemed like Yolanda bought the ring for Selena using Selena's own money. Even if Abraham had done a background check, he might not have found much because Yolanda had no criminal record. Again, like so many white and red car criminals, she had no history of violent behavior. Nothing more serious than parking tickets were on her record. But there was some shady behavior in her past. In the early 80s, Yolanda was suspected of stealing more than $9,000 from a doctor's office where she was working. But she was never charged. So again, this is not something that would have shown up on any kind of official report. Selena's family had no idea this had happened. They didn't learn about this until after her death. In 1994, Selena met someone else who would change her life. After a concert in Monterey, she met a plastic surgeon named Dr. Richard Martinez. Dr. Martinez was married and in his 50s, but they struck up a friendship. Selena asked him for financial advice. She asked him about opening a production house for her fashion line in Mexico, and he reportedly gave her advice on financial matters. Plus, he did some minor surgeries on her, including liposuction. There were rumors flying around at this point that Selena and Chris were having problems in their marriage and that Selena wanted to move to Monterey to be with a doctor. Dr. Martinez said at the time that they had a caring relationship, but not a romantic one. Martin Gomez worked for Selena as a fashion designer. He told Dateline that he was suspicious of Yolanda from the beginning. He said that over time, she became more and more manipulative and mean. He felt like she was trying to isolate Selena from him and from her other friends and family. And he said that Selena was a trusting person, so she just didn't see someone like Yolanda coming. And when you watch news reports about this case, in hindsight, it's extremely creepy because you see these pictures of Yolanda, who was much shorter than Selena, kind of standing right behind her at all these events and staring at her. Selena had several boutiques, and eventually her family trusted Yolanda enough to let her help with the boutiques and the fashion line. But they started having money problems, Martin said Yolanda would claim that she'd paid invoices. 
but apparently that wasn't happening. And on top of that, he said she sabotaged him in other ways. For example, he would sew something, and he would say he would know that it was finished, but when he checked it, seams would be ripped out. Now, he absolutely believed at this point Yolanda was doing this stuff on purpose. And for a while, it seemed to work. Selena ended up doing most of the designs herself, Martin had a lesser role at the company, and Yolanda got more and more responsibility. And it must have been difficult for Martin because, I don't know about you guys, but anyone who has ever dealt with a manipulative person knows they can be very good at making you look crazy. And Martin found this out the hard way. He told reporters that in his last call with Selena, he told her to be very, very careful when dealing with Yolanda. A few weeks after they had that conversation, Selena was dead. By the spring of 1995, Abraham was hearing about the money issues too. In addition to the financial irregularities at the boutiques, now fans were complaining that they weren't getting their merchandise. They were sending in the $22 and just left hanging. So Abraham started doing some detective work. He soon found that Yolanda had signed a lot of checks in her sister's name. And he found evidence that she had been embezzling money. So on March 9, 1995, Abraham, Selena, and Selena's sister, Suzette, all confronted Yolanda. They said they knew she had been stealing money from the fan club and the stores. Abraham fired her right then. But Yolanda kept reaching out to Selena. And Selena kept in touch with her. Obviously, she still needed some of the financial documents Yolanda had, and she was trying to do her taxes. But I think there might have been more to it. I think she probably still felt some residual sympathy for Yolanda. After all, this was a woman who said she loved her, said that Selena was like her own daughter. But Abraham said that when they confronted Yolanda, her answers were totally ridiculous. Even though the fan club had a treasurer and other people working for it, she claimed that she had given several thousand dollars to some random fan and that that person had stolen the money. But the answers were totally ridiculous and it was obvious she had taken it. After that meeting, Yolanda left. She fled to Mexico and she took a lot of those financial records with her. But a few weeks later, she was back. She was checking in and out of various motels around Corpus Christi. Then she started calling Selena. On March 30th, she called her and told her that she was at the Days Inn and that she had the missing financial records. She also said she had been raped in Mexico. On the night before the murder, Yolanda set up another meeting with Selena. She told her to come to that Days Inn hotel room alone. Selena did go there to meet her, but she brought her husband Chris, and Chris waited out in the car while Selena went in the room. Yolanda did give Selena the financial records, but at some point later in the car, Selena noticed that some of those documents were still missing. Meanwhile, Yolanda kept paging Selena. She said again she was bleeding and needed to be driven to the hospital. She tried to get Selena to take her to the hospital that night. Chris said no, it was too late to do that. So, Selena agreed to meet Yolanda the next morning, on March 31st. On the morning of March 31st, Yolanda asked Selena to accompany her to Doctors Regional Medical Center. When they got there, she told the doctors and nurses the story about how she'd been attacked and hit with a baseball bat, and said she was bleeding profusely. At the hospital, the nurses started the exam. The test results were inconclusive, and Yolanda apparently kept changing her story. 
Eventually, she admitted that she hadn't been raped. Selena and Yolanda drove back to that motel. Once again, Selena asked her for the bank statements. And apparently, she had finally had enough and told Yolanda that their professional relationship was over. Selena had the Fabergé egg ring in her hand when police found her. So it's not clear whether Selena took it off or whether Yolanda basically demanded that she give it back. If she had, Selena probably would have done that, not knowing that she'd paid for it with her own money. Yolanda told police that as Selena was taking that ring off her finger, she pulled out the gun. We'll never know for sure exactly what happened next. Yolanda has her version of the story, but law enforcement say that Yolanda's version of what happened in that room just doesn't match the physical evidence. Yolanda told 2020 that Selena never told her that she wanted to fire her. She turned the story around and said it had been the other way. She said she was the one who told Selena that she couldn't work for her anymore. She said when she did that, Selena dropped to her knees and grabbed her feet and begged her not to leave. She said at that point, she told Selena that she couldn't leave. Selena went to shut the door, and Yolanda said she told her, don't close the door. The story that she told 2020 was that she had the gun pointed at her head, and when Selena went to close the door, she made a gesture with her hand, like, don't shut the door. She said at that point, the gun accidentally went off. Now, there are a lot of problems with this story. First of all, Selena was shot in the back. Secondly, investigators pointed out that it takes a lot of force to fire a 38 caliber gun. Also, even if she had accidentally shot the gun, most people who accidentally fire a weapon immediately drop it. She carried it with her all the way out to the car. And even though she followed Selena partway to that lobby, Yolanda, who, by the way, is a trained nurse and would have definitely known how to give Selena first aid, She didn't do any of that. She went straight out to her car. Then there was the blood. The motel room was covered in blood. Yolanda later claimed that after the gun went off, she walked back to the parking lot because she didn't know that she'd hit Selena. But this seems ridiculous that she could have walked out of that blood-soaked room, seen Selena running for her life, and not known what she did. Later, reporters asked her, well, if you planned to kill yourself, why didn't you take your own life? She said that she didn't do that because Selena told her not to. She said Selena told her that if Yolanda took her own life, she would not see her in heaven. Of course, police and later prosecutors said this was not an accident. This was cold-blooded murder. Yolanda bought the weapon. She brought it there and she tried to make sure that Selena would be alone. Yolanda also completely denied that she'd stolen any money from Selena's businesses. Her dad said there was no doubt. At the time, it was reported that Yolanda had stolen around $30,000. Selena's father said it had been more like $100,000. Also, Abraham said that Yolanda was obsessed with Selena. He believes now that she was living her life through his daughter. He said she was nowhere in life and that Selena gave her access to a level of fame and a type of lifestyle that she would never be able to get otherwise. Police asked Yolanda why she bought the gun. She said that she bought it because of Abraham, She said Selena's dad had threatened her life multiple times. He completely denied this. It's interesting because in an interview that Yolanda did with 2020, they asked her if she could have turned back the clock to that morning, what would she have done differently? She doesn't say, I wouldn't have brought the gun or I just wouldn't have met her. What she said is, I would have wanted her to kill me.
She also has referred multiple times to a secret she was protecting of Selena's. But experts say that they believe this is just a way for her to hold on to that so-called special relationship that she had with Selena, and in a way to sort of stalk her from beyond the grave. So I have to say, I've read several books about this case, and Yolanda lied about almost everything, so I don't believe anything she said. I don't believe she was keeping a secret for Selena. I don't believe she had that special relationship with her. And I absolutely believe that when she brought the gun that day, she meant to kill her. In a really sick way, Yolanda now will always have a special relationship with Selena because everyone will link their names. She told 2020 that Selena was like a daughter to her. She said Selena would call her mom. Now, her family and friends have said that Yolanda and Selena were close, but they said they weren't as close as Yolanda claimed, and Selena did not call her mom. And after the murder, more and more information has come out about the dark side of their relationship. Texas Monthly Magazine talked to one of Yolanda's former roommates, and this person said, Yolanda didn't just have pictures of Selena on her walls. The whole place was like a shrine. It's extremely creepy. Yet she continues to insist that the killing was an accident. She told 2020, They made me out to be a monster. I did not kill Selena. It was an accident, and my conscience is clear. Yolanda was charged with Selena's murder. The prosecution and Selena's father, Abraham, claimed that the motive was financial. Abraham told investigators that he told Yolanda, I was going to go to the police and make an investigation for embezzlement. He testified to that in court. Yolanda pleaded not guilty. When her trial started, it became a media circus. Like with a lot of these big murder trials, the courtroom was so packed that they had to assign seats by lottery. Now in court, the defense tried to make Selena's dad, Abraham, look like a bad guy. They said he had controlled his daughter since she was a child. They also said that Yolanda had brought the gun because Abraham had threatened her life. They asked him if he had had sexual relations with her and if he had raped her. He answered that of course he hadn't and that those allegations were ridiculous. On March 13th, Yolanda had gone into a gun supply store and bought that 38 caliber gun. One of the workers in the shop testified in court that it was obvious Yolanda had no idea how to use a gun when she came in the store. So the staff helped her and showed her what to do. Then Yolanda came back a few days later. She returned the weapon. She said her dad had gotten her a firearm, so she didn't need it anymore. So they were surprised when she came back again on March 26th and repurchased that gun. They also highlighted some of the bizarre statements that Yolanda had made about Selena's father, Abraham. First, she said that he attacked her and threatened her life. Then the story got more and more bizarre. She told police that he had repeatedly raped her and stuck a knife into her vagina. And again, she kept alluding to this supposed secret she was keeping for Selena. Again, firearms experts took the stand. They testified as to how hard it would be to pull a trigger on a 38, how much pressure you would need to apply. This wasn't something that would happen by accident. There were some discrepancies in the different versions of what happened after Selena ran from the motel room, A motel maid, who saw Selena run out of the room, said that she had seen her get shot and that Yolanda had said the word And the stories of the sales director and the front desk receptionist, they differed a little bit. Law enforcement said this was because some of the witnesses had gathered after Selena's death. 
and when they talked about what they saw, sometimes they would incorporate elements of other people's stories into their own retelling of events. We see this a lot in murder cases, especially ones that get a lot of publicity. This happened after Tupac was shot. A lot of the witnesses were together, and they were left together in a group in Las Vegas in a parking lot. And then by the time police talked to these people, each one of them had incorporated things they'd heard from other people. This is just human nature. It happens, and the basic facts were that she walked into that motel lobby, and she bled to death, and she said Yolanda's name. During the trial, there was an angry mob outside. These people were enraged. They were spitting at Yolanda's family. Yolanda's alleged fraud came up, too. The Corpus Christi police officer who examined the checks Yolanda had signed said, in his opinion, she'd committed fraud. In October 1995, after a jury deliberated for just two hours, Yolanda was found guilty of first-degree murder. Throughout the trial and to this day, she insists that she pulled that trigger by accident, that she intended to commit suicide and didn't want to shoot Selena. She was sentenced to a maximum of life in prison. She's currently behind bars in Gatesville, Texas, at Mountain View Unit, a maximum security women's prison. According to reports, she still gets constant threats to her life. Selena fans want blood, so she's kept away from other prisoners and spends a lot of time in isolation, living her life in a nine-by-six-foot cell. Selena's husband, Chris, remarried. He has two children who are now adults. He later divorced his second wife in 2008. But through it all, he hasn't forgotten about his first love. Selena gets more publicity than ever. There was the 25th anniversary of her death, and there's a new Netflix series about her life. It's gotten a lot of positive reviews and critical acclaim. Selena's family say they're very happy with the Netflix series. Chris said, I'm proud of her. After Selena's death, more information about Yolanda's shady financial frauds came out. And the red-collar elements of this case became more clear. Abraham, Selena's father, told reporters that when he confronted Yolanda that day about the missing money, he didn't actually plan on going to the police. He just wanted her to leave and disappear and find a job somewhere else. It emerged that before Yolanda ever met Selena, she had actually been investigated for check fraud by the San Antonio district attorney. Apparently in that case, she agreed to pay back the money and formal charges were never filed. There was more and more evidence of premeditation. Selena's dad, Abraham, later told reporters that he believed Yolanda had actually tried to kill his daughter five different times. After she bought the gun the first time and checked into a motel, she told Selena to meet her in a parking lot, kind of in the middle of nowhere. But at that meeting, Abraham said Selena told Yolanda she could still be involved in parts of the business, the part in Mexico. He said he thought this is why Yolanda went back to the gun store and returned the weapon because the timeline matched up. Then, after Selena realized she was missing more financial records and confronted Yolanda again, Yolanda had to realize this was the end. She was going to lose everything, all of her access to Selena and her life. She went back to the store, picked that gun back up, and called Selena to set up another motel meeting. But then, every time that she would set up a meeting, something kind of thwarted her once there were too many fans around. And then, on the night before she was murdered, Selena took Chris with her to the meeting, and he was sitting in the parking lot. Abraham said he absolutely believes that Chris saved her life that night. But then, once Yolanda kept pressing Selena about this rape she said she'd experienced, Selena felt sorry for her 
She promised to come back the next morning. And there was another mystery. In Yolanda's room, there was a suitcase full of clothes. They were Selena's clothes, including a leather jacket that she loved and had worn in a music video. There was also a permit that would have allowed Selena to work in Mexico. Now, Yolanda has sort of alluded to the fact that this suitcase could have something to do with her secret. But I have a theory of my own. I think that all the evidence points to the fact that Yolanda absolutely intended to kill Selena. She had a weird, obsessive fixation on her. She thought if she couldn't have her, no one else could. I think that if Selena had not agreed to keep Yolanda in her life that day, she planned to kill her and bury her somewhere and make it look like she had left for Mexico. Of course, we'll never know for sure. But over the years, more and more secrets have come out. In August of 2012, Ricardo Martinez, the plastic surgeon, finally came forward and admitted that he did have a romantic relationship with Selena. He said they had planned to travel to South America. He said he considered leaving his marriage and his entire life to be with her because he was in love with her. But he said they weren't going to run away together. Any trips they were taking were business opportunities. He knew that he had a responsibility to his wife of 15 years and his kids, and that's why he didn't say anything for so long. He said that near the time of her death, Chris and Selena were actually fighting a lot. Of course, Chris and Selena's family insist that they loved each other, and right before Selena died, she was talking about having a family with Chris. Once again, this is one of those things we'll never know for sure. After a number of years, Dr. Martinez divorced his wife, remarried, and eventually divorced again. And the last information I could find on him said that he was living in Spain. Now remember, Yolanda had alleged that there was a third-party buyer for the ring she gave to Selena. And a lot of people were asking, could that have been Dr. Martinez? But he cleared that up. He said no, he did not buy her that Fabergé ring. He said that in his opinion, it was extremely tacky and it was not the kind of thing he would have bought for Selena. Chris, Selena's husband, has always said publicly, Ricardo was just a friend. He was helping Selena with her boutiques. He always maintained that he and Selena were happy and in love at the time of her death. Selena continues to be a musical icon. Her father, Abraham, her sister, Suzette, and her brother, also named Abraham, currently maintain her estate. They also run the Selena Museum in her hometown of Corpus Christi, Texas. Yolanda is still in prison. She's still in that six-by-nine room. So far, her appeals have been denied. But this is not a life sentence. She'll be eligible for parole in 2025. And Selena continues to be an icon. The last album before her death sold three million copies. She became a legend and got the fame that she always wanted. Unfortunately, it happened after she was gone. Red Collar is an Audio Chuck original podcast. Research and writing by me, Katherine Townsend, with production assistance from Alyssa Flowers and Resonate Recordings. You can find all of our source material for this episode on our website, redcollarpodcast.com. So what do you think, Chuck? Do you approve?